Now, today I want to share with you guys, uh, 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 it's an opportunity for us to remember Malaysia Day, right? We know that Malaysia Day was, is not today, um, it was on Thursday the 16th, you know, um, but it's an opportunity for us to remember Malaysia Day. I want to share with you about Negaraku, right? Not the song Negaraku, um, I was just, in, in fact, while I was preparing for this, and I was just humming the, the words on Negaraku again, and I was thinking, Negaraku, oh, we can do one sermon on the Garaku. And then, Tanatumpanya Daraku. Oh, we can do a second sermon on Tanatumpanya Daraku. And then, oh, Rakya Hidup Bersatu Damaju. Hey! <laughs> and I thought, we have a sermon series. Uh, but no, I, I'm, I'm going to restrain myself uh, uh, from that. This is not first part of a Nagaraku uh, pulpit series. Uh, who knows? Maybe next, next Merdeka, Food to Malaysia Day. Uh, who knows, right? We can, we can, uh, we can exegete <laughs> the, our national anthem and see where that goes. But I really wanted to share this with you because um, I, I really believe in my heart that as much as we sing Negaraku, right? Um, the Lord looks upon this country and He says it in first person as well. As much as this is our land and we sing Negaraku, Aku, Negara Aku, um, I believe that the Lord looks upon Malaysia and He says, this is my country too. This is my land. This is my land and I want this land to reflect my glory. This land too is Negara Ku, kata Tuhan. Right? Um, so, and, and we see it. We see His imprint in trying to, to reclaim this land. We see, we, we, we see his, his hand shaping the destiny of this country from, from so long ago. And today I want to, to, to give us a little bit of a, a story. I, I'll be telling lots of stories about, about God's love for our land and, and the many people whom He has sent uh, 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 to, to, to be part of His love story over this land. But first, uh, in order to, to tell this story, I'm going to pray and then get into the, t in, in, into the Word. Okay, come let's pray. Father, I just want to surrender this morning into your hands. Lord, may your own hands shape the sharing of the word and the sharing of the, uh, of the testimony of your goodness over our land. Lord, may, may you be upon every household represented here. And Father, for those of us uh, uh, um, who are Malaysian citizens, Father, I pray, Lord, that, that today will be a day uh, um, where you do something, Lord God, uh, uh, through us and through our place in this land here. I pray for all our Malaysians who are not in Malaysia. In Jesus' name, Lord, I just pray for such influence over all of us wherever we are. I pray for the non-Malaysians who are in Malaysia or not in Malaysia who are dialing in from somewhere. Father, I pray, Lord God, that because our destinies intertwine, Lord God, in, uh, in the SIB church, Father, I pray, Father God, that you will bring uh, uh, um, such a coming together of, uh, of lives, even as you did with the missionaries of all, all non-Malaysians, coming to be such an integral part of our story as well. So, Father, we thank you and we pray, Father God, um, that you will be in every home, helping every single one of us to shape our own destinies as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. 
And I'm going to read from verse 3 onwards uh, um, uh, through till uh, verse 14, right? Um, I thank God. This is Paul writing to Timothy. Now, a little bit of context. Timothy planted a church or, 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 or he started out being a church leader in, in, in his local church in Lystra and Derby. That's where he grew up in. And then over time, he got moved from his home church to to pastor the church in Ephesus. When he started, he was about 18, 19 years old. So this is like really young guy. And so Paul is like all elder statesmen writing from prison, you know. And, and so that's a little bit of the biblical context uh, behind 2 Timothy. It's the last letter, uh, one of the last letters that Paul wrote. Uh, um, and so, and so um, let's get into it. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience. As I remember you, Timothy, right? As I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. So we, we, we discover a little bit about Timothy's family, right? For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of hands on my through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, of love, and self-control. Next verse, right? Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Saviour, Jesus, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. By the way, this whole thing is one sentence. <laughs> that, that whole last slide was one sentence. Paul likes his long sentences, but let's, let, let's continue reading. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Oh, church, church, this is, this is such a reminder. It's almost like as I read this, I even feel like Timothy. And I don't know about you, I feel like there is this uh, uh, um, older apostle and he, he, he's like in prison, he's going to die. And these are like his last instructions over Timothy. Uh, uh, and and I, as I prepared this and as I, as I deep dived into some of the stories, you know, that, that, that are our own stories, right? Um, I really saw three things. I saw three things coming out from Paul's instructions to this generation, right? Like Timothy represents a new generation of church 
new generation of church planting, new generation of churches going to evangelize and bring the gospel of Jesus to the Gentile nations. And, and it's going to happen. It has already been happening. Timothy didn't start something. He is part of something that had already been going on. And this elder man is handing over the reins to Timothy. And that is like SIBKL Mother Church handing over the reins in some ways to Sungai Bulo and saying, Go! Go where the Lord has called you. Go and do all these things. What are these things? Three things for us to remember. Three things for us to remember as we remember Malaysia Day and God's love over this land. Number one, the torch that we carry has a long story. Okay, the, th the torch that we carry has a long story. It's like, it's like when you run uh, the, 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 the 4x100, and you stretch your hand to the back and you grab the baton, someone else handed you the baton. Maybe if you're the first runner, you were on your marks and you dashed, right? Um, but if you're somewhere in the middle, you receive the baton from someone else. The torch that you carry today, the baton that you carry today has a long story. Number two, fan God's gift into flame. In other words, there is something about God's gift that requires your participation, your engagement, and your contribution in order to turn that thing into a flame, right? And, the, and finally, go all in. All in until the very end, okay? The torch has a long story. Let's jump into the first point here. Let's look at this. Paul says, right, I thank God whom I serve. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors. In other words, Paul is saying that I thank the God whom I serve as did my ancestors serve this God. In other words, Paul is saying that whatever I'm doing here, it's not a one-off. I didn't start anything. I am continuing in the serving of Yahweh as my ancestors did. And that's quite interesting because Paul, as we know, is a first-generation Christian, so to speak. But what Paul is really saying is that all of my ancestors who worship Yahweh, um, we are worshipping the same God and it is us who are continuing to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in its truest way possible. And that's what Paul is saying. My ancestors worshipped him. Today, I'm worshipping and serving him as well. And then he goes on to say, I'm reminded, Timothy, of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. In other words, Timothy, Timothy comes from a third generation tradition of following the God of Israel. Okay, so, so a little bit of background into Timothy. Uh, Timothy, uh, as I told you just now, he grew up in the city of Lystra uh, uh, and Derby. Okay, and he had a Greek father, but he had a Jewish mother. Eunice is his Jewish mother. And Eunice, obviously being a Jewish uh, a woman, had Jewish parents as well. And that's the Lois, who is the maternal grandmother of Timothy. Now, you will see elsewhere in the, in the letters written to Timothy, in Tim, 1 Timothy, in fact, um, that Paul talks about the gift of Scripture that 
his grandmother Lois had passed down to Timothy. So from young, Timothy was already a student of the scriptures and he was taught how to read his Bible, how to preach from the Bible, how to understand his, his holy scriptures from his grandmother. In other words, in other words, the torch that he carried had a long story as well. From tradition to tradition, or, or rather if you can say from, from generation, more like maybe it's better to say, from generation to generation, from father to, grandfa to, to grandfather to father, from grandmother. I like this because it comes from the maternal line. And if anything, my friends, when we talk about the building of church and all these stories, uh, sometimes when we go out looking for pictures and stories to tell, a lot of the stories tend to tell from the men's perspective. It tends to tell the stories of the male missionaries, you know. And in fact, even if you want to tell stories of the female missionaries or their wives, often it was their wives, it's hard to find photos, okay. But you know what? I love it that in, in 2 Timothy, you see this picture of the maternal line for Timothy carrying this story down, handing it from one generation to another and now to Timothy. My friends, we in SIBKL are like that as well. We in SIBKL come from a long, long history of God doing amazing work in our midst. And this is very much, our, our story is very much a story of God's work in Malaysia. It's not the only story because many years ago, uh, uh, um, lots of missionaries started coming to this part of the world. And I want to share with you some of them. Let's look at the, some pictures. Uh, if you are, if you have been with us a long time, uh, or if you are Anna SIB from the start or from many years ago, you will already know that SIB as a mission uh, was started by three missionaries from Australia, right? Frank Davidson, Kerry Tolley, Hudson Southwell. I've listed them in that order, going from left to right, okay, of that of that black and white photo on the top on the top corner, right? Um, so that's that's Frank Davidson on the far left, and then Kerry Tolley in the middle, Hudson Southwell on the right. Below them, there's a picture of them with another missionary um, and, a, and a little local kid. And all these stories can be found in two, uh, uh, um, well, they, they can be found in many books, um, but two of, uh, of my favorite, Drunk Before Dawn and Uncharted Waters. I've got I've got them here with me right now. I've been deep diving. I've been doing a lot of reading on missionary stories. So, so um, Uncharted Waters, I, I, I kind of like constantly look at this every once in a while because Hudson Southwell is um, one of my real big heroes. I, 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 love, I love this man. And, uh, but recently, I started to read um, uh, Drunk Before Dawn a bit more. And see the, the, the way it's written is like it kind of jumps back and forth, back and forth, the timeline. Um, but it's a little bit like reading uh, a blog. Uh, um, um, on, on all the missionary stories and, and, and it's great. I absolutely love it, you know. Um, and if you want to know, uh, if, if you want to know more, you can jump into those books. You can get Uncharted Waters from, from you might be able to find it in Canaan I'm not sure. Um, but you know what? How many of you guys, you have our 25th anniversary book? 
How many of you guys you have? A, yeah, you, you've got this book, right? Um, one of my favorite parts of working on this book was the opening chapters, where we talk about the three missionaries. We talk about the years when they were in the 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 World War years, you know, and then the revivals in Baru and Bakalalan and all that. So if you bought this book and you never read it um, during our twenty fifth anniversary, go back and read the opening uh, uh, the the openings uh, um, uh, few pages, and and I hope that that can give you a almost like a primer and entry into all this but I want to share with you a few more stories because we always talk about the three missionaries three missionaries as if three men alone did all the work which is totally untrue right um, over there in the colored, first colored photo is Alan Belcher and Match Belcher Alan Belcher um, was the second chairman of, uh, of the BEM Okay, so the BI is the Borneo Evangelical Mission. And out of the Borneo Evangelical Mission came the Sidang Injil Borneo, which is the church version, right? So the BEM was the missionary move. And then uh, SIB is, was the church that they planted. And the first uh, uh, chairman um, uh, of of uh, the BEM was Hudson Southwell. And then uh, after the Second World War, um, that there were more missionaries coming in and then Alan Belcher became the next lead. And, um, and Alan Belcher was, he, he mainly served among the Lunbawang people. Um, and, and, he, and you see that they all have their, their, their local names. So they are Pandita, Lisin, Pandita. Pandita is like, it's like, you know, it's like pastor, right? Pandita, Padan, you know, um, was Hudson Southwell. And Alan Belcher and Match Belcher came to be known as Pandita Maripa and Pandita Ganit, right? Um, and so that's their local names. And and you know what? All these all these missionaries when they land, right? We think it's like wow, so so um so romanticized idea. I used to have this romanticized idea where they would like you know slash through jungle, you know, go on board and go to go to campus. And it's true, they really live like that one, you know. They'll go on board and then they'll have guns, got crocodile, they shoot really, uh, and then. And then they would they would um like hunt and then they would like like you know three day boat ride then they would stop they would hunt and then survive you know um uh, and and then they will reach a kampong and then they will set up there they will evangelize they will speak to the to, to the penghulu uh, the koto kampong then they will face uh, uh, um the the witch doctor the you know in, in you know all, all the all the bomo and the bobolians and all that right in Sabah and then they will get converted you know and then when they get converted the whole the whole kampong will get converted you know um and 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 as a result of that you know um the the the, the, the they will take out all their all their skulls and all these things that they used to keep you know all their charms they will break them burn them and then the people will be set free you know and and so that's the kind of work that Alan Belcher used to do right uh, um going into the interiors of the Lumbawang tribe but it wasn't just that kind of work Two major things stand out when you read the accounts of the of the missionaries. Number one, they spend a lot of time building houses. They build their their base. It's like they are like timbermen, uh, 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 working on house, constantly sawing wood and, and all that, collecting wood and, and 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 all these houses like little things that shacks that they build and all that. They are constantly. They it took them like when they land, they spend their first year building and learning the language. I can tell you that is the most unglamorous part of missionary work. It's just really hard labor, building homes, houses, uh, and, 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 and learning the language. But you know what, my friends? 
this is in many ways what the foundation of building uh, uh, of of our work is right you build and you speak to them right and and that gives you all the infrastructure that you need right you got a place to meet you got a you, you got a, sh a shared language you know uh, uh, to communicate and from there you can and they will start to translate the bible right so they so so frank davidson translated uh, um, um, uh, the gospels into it into the kalabit uh, uh, language and hudson southwell worked on the murod version you know alan belcher worked on, on on some translations as well you know so that's the kind of work that they did uh, a match uh, uh, would work with uh, the women because especially with, with, with some of many of these uh, uh, um, encounters or, or, or you know cross-cultural um, the women would you know stick among themselves so it's really um, uh, often uh, women like match Belcher would make great great inroads you know into into reaching out to the women and sometimes the witch doctors were the women as well you know um, so or rather, the, the women were the witch doctors as well, you know. So, so that's what was happening in Sarawak. There is, there is a man there called Ray Cunningham. Okay, Ray Cunningham is, uh, I've got his book here. It's called Long Houses, Open Doors, right? Um, and, and he lived long. Uh, uh, he lived long, um, but he had a near-death experience. I'll tell you about his near-death experience later, right? Um, but you can see here in a modern Sarawakian church, you know, as a very old man, I believe this was in the 90s uh, um, uh, with, with his Sarawakian friends, you know, um, the next generation now surrounding him. Um, in the picture at the bottom with the three young men, you see Stafford Young, um, on the left, bottom left. And then you see Trevor White, right, in the back standing. And then you see a young Ellen Belcher um, on the bottom right as well. Um, Stafford Young um, um, was a major partner uh, to, to Hudson Southwell, Frank Davidson in the early days. Um, but he was one of those guys who worked in both Sarawak and Sabah. So this picture that you see um, is the uh, are the three of them. They were actually three of them were together only for a short period of time, and they were all ministering at that time in Sabah. In Sabah, so you hear a lot of stories about Sarawak, Lumbawang. You hear stories about you know uh, Murud and, and, and Kelabit. All this is Sarawak stories. Okay, Sarawak stories. Dawn Before Dawn, Hudson Southwell, all Sarawak stories, right? But we rarely hear stories about Sabah. So today I wanted to share with you a few, a, a few new stories about Sabah as well. These three men were in Sabah. Eventually, it was Trevor White who, who had a very long uh, a ministry in Sabah. And Stafford Young, unfortunately, uh, died at the end of the World War. I'll share with you his story a little bit as well. But um, Belcher uh, went back down to Sarawak to continue ministering. But it was, yeah, Trevor White, whom everyone knows as Asang. You go to Sabah and you talk about Asang. You say Trevor White, some people may not know. But you say Asang, everyone knows, right? And this is his book, Trevor White, as an older man here, okay? And and he he built churches, he ministered, he all those things that I described to you just now, built homes. Homes, uh, learn language, translate scriptures. He worked primarily with the Duson people, Kadazan Duson, and he was there in Taginambo. And and I was had the privilege of going to the Taginambo church um, once, and and it's beautiful, like the whole atmosphere of the place. You can just feel the the long heritage of 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 the missionaries still there. You know, people come flocking to the church um, on Sunday mornings. You know, it's it's really beautiful. Um, but all this is Sabah Sarawak stories. What was happening in Semenanjong? Before we click to the next slide, how many of you went to a missionary school? 
growing up. You went to a missionary school growing up. If you did, can you type in the name of your school right now into the chat? I know you all love it, one. Okay. Asunta Girls. Now is the time. Yeah. Uh, LaSalle Boys. Yeah. All right. I went to St. Andrews Primary in, in Mwajohor, right? That, that's my, my, my claim to fame in missionary schools. Yep, I see all that convent, Seremban, BBG, BBGS, St. Mary's, right? Uh, Infant Jesus Convent, uh, I think, was that in Penang, Kitty? Uh, 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 Methodist Boys School, uh, Dalat International, SM All Saints, Asunta, that's right. Uh, um, yep, yep, all of your... St. Brunei, is it St. Andrews in Brunei, right? So I see all of St. John's institutions, right? Wow. Um, now, so many of us come from that background. And I'm not even going to ask you if you have ever been treated or if your parents have ever been treated in the missionary hospital like Asunta Hospital, you know, because you won't be able to stop naming the amount of contact that our ancestors have had or uh, the amount of shaping that we are a product of because of the missionaries in, in, in Semenanjong or, or wherever we are, right? Wherever we have been. And so the story did continue, in, uh, uh, did have run parallel. Missionaries, as they landed in, in, in uh, East Malaysia, landed in West Malaysia as well. Mission work was strong in West Malaysia as well. But but it has a di different story because uh, um, the way the British were in, 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 in uh, West Malaysia was different. And of course, in, in some parts like even Malacca, they were taking on from previously the Dutch and then prior to that was the Portuguese. And so there was already, in fact, I had a copy. I have a copy. It's in my office and I forgot to bring it back. It's the translation of of the BM Bible during the time of the Dutch. So that translation dates back to the 15th, 1600s and 1630-something, you know, and it's really kuno Melayu, okay, really, really old, bahasa classic, classic, maximum classic kind of level, and that was that's really precious, really, really precious, you know, but it's an evidence that the gospel had reached our land, right? And for hundreds of years now, God had been sending people to bring, and it's, I don't want to over-glorify um, the, the whole colonial thing. I think we live in, a, in an age where we can look back at colonial history and say that quite a lot of parts of colonial history um, are, are not, don't make for good viewing, right? Um, the way they took land, the way uh, um, uh, the, some of the colonial masters um, oppressed the locals and, and, and subjugated local leadership, did not cause local leaders to rise up, put down rebellions. There was a, definitely a political administrative part of colonial history that does not make for good viewing. And I think that we live in an age where we can own up to the mixed and ambiguous effects of colonial history. But one thing I know, one thing I know, that God loves Malaysia. And for whatever came out of our colonial backgrounds, the gospel started to take root. Schools, hospitals, and all kinds of other institutions started to come out to give light to, uh, to, to one generation to another generation. My own mother uh, grew up in in a convent school, you know, and, and, and was was so thankful um, to be educated by in, in that kind of environment because the love for reading uh, was put inside her and that love of reading somehow got transferred to all of us, you know, and here I, here I am today showing you all my books as well, you know. So, so we are all shaped by this. 
and I, I thought it's important to know. In Semenanjung, one important man who pops up whenever you think about church history in Semenanjung is an evangelist from China called John Sung. How many of you guys, you, you know about John Sung? Raise your hand, right? Uh, how many of you, you know about John Sung? If you can raise your hand. A small handful of you, right? Um, next slide. Okay. John Song was an evangelist from China. Okay. And he would make his way um, to Thailand for evangelism, kind of like rallies. He would go to Singapore. Singapore was a huge base for him. And then from there, he would come up to Malaysia, right? So John Song made uh, numerous trips around 1936, 37, 38, 39, like in the late 30s, before the Second World War struck, right? Um, he, would, he would come uh, from, to, from Singapore, he would make trips to Klang, to Bentong, to Ipoh, um, to... Uh, where else? Uh, uh, Setiawan, Taiping. So Perak was like his, uh, and I'm sure he got the flag of Perak, right? Uh, <laughs> as, as many of y'all did. <laughs> and I've got this book on John Song right here, you know, um, um, and it's like super easy to read. And you know what I realized about him? He's so charismatic, so crazy charismatic. Like, like one of the things he used to do, like, and imagine, uh, this is like China, China, man from China speaking to Malaysian Chinese. You know, we pantang so many things, right? Chinese people, right? So many pantang, right? And he would have a, he would drag a coffin into the church, okay? And he would stand in the coffin. Oh my gosh, that's like every taboo that every Chinese person is going to faint, right? It's like the most taboo of all already is you don't simply do these things. And John Song would stand in the coffin and preach and he would say, I am dead to this world. But I am alive in Christ. I have been crucified. I no longer live. It is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave His life for me. Right? Wow! That is super confronting and mega in your face. But he preached like that. Everywhere he went, he had an interpreter uh, um, into English and he had an interpreter into a local dialect. Um, and he would come and he would give like morning, afternoon, night for seven straight days, you know, because he has to move already. He's in one town for one week and then he has to move. So he will preach like some 20, 21 sermons in one week and then do evangelistic rally. Thousands were saved in Semenanjung, right? In, especially in the cities that I talked to you about. This is part of the legacy of the people whom God has sent to, 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 to our land, right? And, and so, some of these stories predate Malaysia, right? Um, but, and... And, uh, and I will share with you in my second point about what happened during the transition into Malaysia, right? 1963, right? What happened around that? But you know what? Some of our great-grandfather and all that may have been saved uh, at a Johnson rally as well. Today, we have Philip Mantofa rallies, right? Um, but this, this, this is the original, <laughs> the original right? Um, let's look at Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us what? Run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated today at the right hand of the throne of God. Church, Church, we are not running this race alone. 
we are not running this race as one fellow here, one fellow there. We are running this race with a great cloud of witnesses in the heavenly places cheering us on and celebrating uh, uh, um, every small win and, uh, and, and, and you know, interceding for us is Christ Jesus himself at the right hand of the Father. And so, my friends, whenever you feel down, and I actually feel like this one, okay, I've trained myself this way, but it might be a little bit weird. When I feel really down, I imagine Hudson Southwell and Frank Davidson and Kerry Tolley saying, come on, Fergus, you can, you can do it. You can do it. Like, I, actually, I actually feel this way about them. One. They're like my uncle's one, you know? And so, and, and I remember, and so you can remember that the greats of our faith, the Asangs and the Ray Cunninghams and the John Songs and all these people are there cheering us on saying, SIBKL at Sungai Bulo, come on, you are carrying the fire today but we pass that torch to you so keep it burning keep it burning church actually there's one thing i want to share with you is that we are stewards of this fire and as stewards of this fire we cannot simply play play with this fire it's a fire that must keep burning it's a fire that must be passed down to the next generation there is a kid there is a kid somewhere probably aged between zero and 10, who's going to take over our Sungai Bulo Church one day, right? And that kid Proy is like not even Christian yet. He might be somewhere in this world, okay? And he's waiting to be, sa to, to be saved. Or maybe he's Christian and he's not, he's not in Klang Valley yet. Maybe he's an East Malaysian. You know, we don't know. But somewhere in this world, that kid might be born already, right? And then somewhere in this world, in maybe in like 15 years, there is the, the sixth senior pastor of, Sungai, of SIBKL, okay, is going to be born one day. But what kind of SIBKL are we going to pass to this kid and his generation? What, what kind of Sungai Bulo Church are we going to hand over to the next the, the next generation of SB's lead pastor, right? Who may or may not, oh, I, I suppose they will have to be born by now, right? right? Um, what kind of church are we going to pass to them? Because you know what? It's not ours. We inherited this church. We inherited this church from the Pastor Chews and the Elder Kuntats and their generation, right? And they inherited this church from the Pa'agong Bangau and all of Ibu Bulan and all these people. And they inherited that church from the, from, from the Asangs and, and the Ray Cunninghams and, and from the Ellen Belchers, right? One generation keeps passing the fire on. Takkan, we are going to be the church that passes over the torch, but it's like... Bleh, 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 bleh. No, right? We're going to pass it over to them and the thing is going to be burning strong. It's going to be burning, burning well. You know why? Because it's filled by the, by the intercession of Jesus and it's filled by us running the race with endurance, you know, because we run the race that God gave us. So lay aside everything that is weighing us down, hindering us, hampering us, all the sins that are weighing dragging you down i'm preaching to myself right now get rid of all these things which are holding us back so we can run the race for jesus and one day hand over a church to the next generation that's going to be strong and excellent and dynamic a church that flew high and keeps flying high and that's how long it keeps on flying 
Let's hand that kind of church over to the next generation so that the Richards and the Isobels and, the, and, and, and all of our Sungai Buloh children, you know, um, will one day be able to, to, to say, hey, we are the next batch of YSL leaders, you know, and, and, and they will carry the next generation of church. Amen? Amen? The church that we are in has a long story. The torch that we carry, that fire has been burning, handed down one by one by one for many generations now. Let us be the generation that keeps it burning. Amen? Amen? Let's look at the second point. In order to keep it burning, we must fan God's gift into flame. You know what, church? Sometimes we think God gives us a gift and that gift is kind of like ready-made and you open the box and the gift is, is in the in the revelation of the gift and you're like, oh, I got a gift. Yay. And that's it. Like, wow, I got a gift. And the, and, and the gift to you was the surprise of seeing the gift. And that's it. And sometimes Christmas is a bit like that when you've got like way too many gifts, right? And then you're like, open, yay, boom. And then you open the next gift, yay. You know, and it's like, hey, what kind of gift receiving is that? What kind of gift receiving culture is that? You know, because the gift doesn't become fully activated as a gift until it is used. And sometimes, in fact, very, very often, the gift for it to really take meaning and shape needs your contribution and participation as well so if someone gives you a 500 piece jigsaw puzzle that jigsaw puzzle be, is, is quite meaningless until you piece it together or at least attempt to piece it together if someone gave you a new bicycle uh, uh, um, that bicycle is quite meaningless until you actually sit on it and pedal and move and get going Right. In other words, when, when God gives you a gift, that gift is not often a gift in itself. That gift becomes activated when you engage that gift and do with your own actions, with that gift, what that gift was meant to do, which is a gift that must be fanned into flame. That gift must be fanned into flame. Don't assume just because God gave you a gifting, a calling that is white hot. Often it is not white hot. And even if it used to be white hot, maybe the pandemic has doused it until the point that it needs to be re-white hotted all over again. And so, Sungai Bulo Church fan that gift back into a flame. Let's see what Paul says to Timothy on this point. Right? He says, for this reason, I remind you, Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of what? Power, love, self-control. Friends, when God says, stir, stir, fan this, fan this gift, I've given it to you through the handing down from Lois to Eunice to Timothy. I've handed it to you from the missionaries and the, and the, and, and the evangelists to the pastor chills to every single one of us. Not just for the song. It's every single one of us in Sungai Bulo. We are now holding this gift that is generations old, hundreds of years old. And we're holding it. But you know what? If you just leave it, atrophy will set in and it will 
right? And all the natural elements of this world is going to crush it, right? And when it, when it crushes it, then we become the generation, it died in our heads, right? And, you, and gosh, none of us want that. So how do we make sure that this gift remains strong, excellent, dynamic, powerful, loving, and full of self-control? How do we do this? Fan it into flame, right? And what does it mean? It means that there is a participation from every single one of us to keep it going. Don't neglect the things of God, and and I don't mean to say that in a in a in a in a way that sounds like wow, Pastor Fergus is nagging us. You know, I'm not nagging you. I'm, I'm preaching to myself. If anything, Fergus, don't neglect the gift of God. Don't neglect the things of God. Pray and pray up a fire. Pray up a huge fire. If you were hot this level, go hot the next level. Right, and and seek. Seek what the Lord is doing. I'm in a season of seeking what the Lord is doing for all of us in Sungai Buloh as we pro- as we transit into October, which is the month we start migrating into Disara Central, right? And so I'm thinking about I'm thinking about things. I'm thinking about what strategically how we're gonna move, how we're gonna transit. What's the next thing for the church? How do we end the year well? What do we do for Christmas and all these things? So that's my cross to bear. But friends, every single one of us have a duty to fan into flame that which he started. Now, I was, I was thinking about Malaysia Day itself, like 1963. Did you know that the original Malaysia Day was supposed to be 31st of August as well? Like same day as, as Merdeka. It was meant to be 31st of August. Everything was in place, but the United Nations uh, asked for a deferment and a delay of it. It ended up becoming 16th of August. August, um, there were a lot of things happening in, in, in those months. I think in, in, in fact, Brunei was supposed to be part of the Federation. How many of y'all knew this? That Brunei was supposed to be part of the Federation. It was only in July that year, July in 63, that the Sultan of Brunei withdrew, right? And, and for various reasons, uh, um, uh, withdrew. Around that time, there was, there, there was pushback in, in, among the, the, the Brunei public as well. So there was like a, a little insurrection uh, happening in the Brunei revolt at that time, essentially saying, pushback, we don't want to be federated uh, with Malaysia. And so it became the 11 states of the Malayan states plus Sabah, Sarawak plus Singapore, right? And then X years later, Singapore uh, uh, dropped out of the picture. And so it became the 11 states and Sabah, Sarawak. You know, I, let me show you a picture. Uh, that's Don Fuad Stephen uh, on the left. Uh, um, signing uh, his uh, um, part of the Malaysian treaty. That's that's the, the Sabah uh, um, uh, representative, and and the, both these pictures are, are are the Sabah pictures actually. You know that is the 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 official inauguration Malaysia Day. You know um, on the picture on your right. You know, but what happened to the church around this time? Uh, as I've been reading through all the missionary stories, um, I keep going and looking at the years and trying to find accounts of what happened around 1963. One of the things that was, in a way, if I can say bittersweet, something for us to understand actually as we minister with uh, um, um, in this land, is that around 1963, um, once Sabah and Sarawak became federated in Malaysia, what the missionaries were, were, were recounting is that suddenly local politics became a, 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 a thing. Because before that, in Sarawak, you had the white rajas, right? And, and so it was all, governance was all uh, uh, um, your, your, your British people. And then from, from that, the world war happened and then it became a, queen, a, a, a crown colony. And so when once 
Sabah and Sarawak became part of Malaysia, then there was democratic representation, there was local elections, there's members of parliament, and where did they go to find elected people to be to be elected representatives, right? You they, they will obviously go to the people who were most educated, uh, literate, okay, uh, uh, um, exposed, went to school, or at least could speak in one, two, two languages, you know. Often, often they would end up finding pastors and so and so what this is one of those things that became part of the milieu of of um, the church in east malaysia is that is that especially in the earlier days like you know um, is that often local communities would rally around their spiritual leader um, and and persuade them to become their elected representatives um, to parliament um, or to be their adon you know um, in order to represent them not just not not just to be their shepherd but to be their to be their elected representative as well and so and so that gives you a little bit of a well i remember um uh, going to sabah and then seeing election time you've got all these things and and my host would tell me oh that fellow is a pastor in a church you know like looking at the election poster i'm like huh i thought he's politician yeah but he's also a pastor in a church and then that fellow is from this church you know uh, that fellow is from is a leader of this christian organization i'm like wow oh yeah, politicians here uh, um uh, got christian roots on is it and then they say uh no not all <laughs> right uh, some of them have all kinds of other roots as well and but but they share with me uh, um, uh, carefully that this is a threat on the purity of the church when 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 politics and 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 um, and our faith you know kind of mix and become one which is one of the things that if you ever join our church history class we always say that we don't we, we, we are not praying for a Christian nation right as if as if it was ever a good thing so we pray for christians in the nation we pray for christians in government we're not praying for a christian government that's why sometimes when our neighbors misunderstand us and they think oh orang christian mau tak lok malaysia and all these things right like they could not be more wrong if like they were here today i would say that bro jangan risau kami tak mau benda tu you know we don't want to take over government or start a christian country like none of us want that because we have seen from church history how how brittle that is when uh, when faith and politics combine most of the time it is not politics that becomes holy fight by the faith most of the time it is the faith that becomes corrupted by the politics and that's something for us to to hold and very prayerfully because we still believe that Christians must be in government. We still believe that, that, that if you can have good people representing us in every layer of, of civil life, sorry, I banged into my music stand. If we, have, if we can have a, a, a righteous people throughout uh, um, the administration, it is a good thing. It is a good thing. You know, so 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 let's take a moment and, and just just pray for Christians in government. Father, we just want to pray um, for Christians in government right now. That Malaysia has been federated for 58 years right until now, Lord. And, and we have seen generations of Christians uh, um, uh, make it into government and then not make it in government. Uh, we've seen them uh, thrive, but we've seen many others burn out. We've seen many uh, lose their faith. We've, 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 we have watched it happen. We have, we have felt um, sad 
for some and, and, and we have cheered others on and we continue to cheer others on. Father, we pray for every single elected representative who is a Christian. Father, we pray that you will keep their faith strong. We pray for those in the opposition as well. Father, we pray that you will keep all of their faith strong and pure and continue to fight the good fight for Malaysia. Father, that they will always remember that their first allegiance is to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So Father, we remember every single one of our civil servants as well, every layer of government. Uh, we pray, Father God, especially for those in Sabah, Sarawak, who have a deep uh, 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 Christian background, we remember them and pray for them, Lord God, that they will be strong in their faith, Lord God, that, that, that Lord, you have not given them a spirit of fear, so they have to kowtow to the way politics is normally done. But you've given them a spirit of love, you've given them a spirit of power, you've given them a spirit of self-control and a sound mind to know what is wise and good and to follow and walk in your ways. So we remember all our Christians in government or in opposition. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Now, these are just some thoughts. You know, Philippians 1, uh, um, it says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or whether I am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And so, my friends, every single one of us, we have a life. We are called to live the gospel in Malaysia. We are called to live the life, or, or live the gospel in Malaysia. Let the manner of how we live be worthy of such a high calling. Third point, go all in. Go all in until the very end. You know, I was sharing with you all just now that when Paul wrote to Timothy, it was one of his last letters. The man is old, he's been in prison, he's dying. And he writes this. I've given you a smattering of verses throughout throughout 2 Timothy verse chapter 1. He says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Don't be ashamed of our testimony of the Lord. It is a good testimony. It is a testimony to be proud of. It is a story to be proud of. Don't shy, shy. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed of the Lord. And in fact, don't be ashamed of me, his prisoner. Sometimes we don't want to be associated with people who have been castigated by the 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 the, the you know the, the hierarchy or or been been marginalized, you know, because it's like wow, if I touch this guy, then this guy is poisoned already, or he's been thrown in jail already, or if I touch guys we seen to support this guy, then I myself, you know, will be seen to be of you know, like you know, of all this, and then you know, suddenly I'm gonna get myself compromised as well. And Paul is saying, Don't be ashamed of the of our Lord, don't be ashamed of me. Quite thick skin, uh. tell, tell people, tell, tell Timothy, don't, don't be embarrassed of me. Uh. <laughs> but he say anyway, don't be ashamed of me, but share in the suffering for the gospel. Am I suffering for the gospel? Says Paul. Yes. Share. Share in the suffering. Don't let me suffer alone. But not just me. Other fellows also suffering for the gospel. Don't let them suffer alone. Right? Because this is a gospel of the of power of God is a gospel of the power of God, which is why I suffer as I do. There is a suffering component. 
And I don't know what that suffering component is going to look like, but when one thing clashes with another power, another kingdom, there is going to be something that's going to be felt. And every single one of us, we cannot live as if it's not part of our reality and constantly run, running around, hiding, trying to, to, to stay safe or play safe. You know, a long time ago, man, this was when I was, I was serving in the BAM church and I used to wake up very early and leave my, my small apartment in, in, in Subang Jaya and drive to BY to start the BM service, right? And one morning, uh, Isobel, she was a tiny girl at the time, you know, like, gosh, how old was she? Maybe like three, four, you know? No lah, no lah, a bit older than that, right? Um, she came up to me and she was like, oh, Papa, are you preaching today? And I was like, yes, yes, I'm preaching today in BM. And she said, preach, she said, drive safe and preach safe. And then I, and she said, drive safe, Papa, and preach safe. And then I, I, I knelt down and I, and I looked at her and I said, you know what? Let's, let's tweak this just a little bit. Why don't you tell me drive safe and preach dangerous? And, and she thought, she must have thought it was quite funny because she said, then, then she said, come, come, say, say it to Papa, you know? Papa, drive safe, preach dangerous. And she said, Papa, drive safe, preach dangerous. And... Every time I left my house for church for the long, but a whole year, every time I left my house to go to church, she would come up to me and she would say, Papa, drive safe, preach dangerous. Even though it's not a preaching weekend for me, she would come up to me and say, Papa, drive safe, preach dangerous. And you know what? That has become like a motto for my life, right? And it happened so incidentally. Um, but you know what? It really has become something I hold dear to myself. And, and, and it's something I, I, I hold myself to when I stand before you. I know that there is, there is no desire in me to come and preach a safe message. I don't want to come and preach a safe message. The gospel is not a safe gospel, but it's a good gospel. It's a good gospel. It's not a safe gospel, but it's a good gospel. And so this gospel, when lived out to its fullest extent, has caused men and women to live and die for it is what Paul says here, I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I've believed. I know this Jesus. I know that it's worth it. That's why he is able to guard this calling. He is able to guard this gospel. He is able to guard this fire. I told you just now, right? We we gotta we gotta participate and fan the fire into flame, right? fan the torch into flame. It says here, I know whom I have believed. I am convinced he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me by the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. Now, Timothy, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. And I love this. You see, the, the, the word guard appears twice. In the, first, in the first instance, the guard there is used from a passive voice. God is going to guard it for you. In the second instance, Paul used it in the active voice. Timothy, guard the good deposit. It's the same thing that they're guarding. The good deposit is, 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 is the gospel, right? But why? Why is he worded it this way? It means that, you know, sometimes we get caught in all this like, oh, um, uh, uh, it's very Calvinist. Lah. God, God is going to guard it for you. You don't have to do anything, you know. God is going to do everything. He's sovereign. He will guard it for you 100%, right? You, you lepa also, he will guard it for you, right? And then some people say, no, lah, this one, the second one, very Armenian, lah, you know. Um, you have to do everything yourself. You must guard it. It's all your initiative. It's all your work. You know what? It's both. It's both. 
Will God guard it for you? Yes. Can, must we live as if we trust God to guard it? Absolutely. Can you imagine if you live as if God's not going to guard you? Cannot. But at the same time, are you, is there lack of initiation on your part? If, is there lack of act, uh, action on your part? No, also. We guard and God guards. We guard and God guards. The reverse is true. You want to go back and look at Exodus and see how Pharaoh hardened his heart? One moment he hardened his heart. Another moment God hardened his heart. Then the next moment he hardened his heart, right? It's like both of them working in tandem, right? To, to achieve certain ends. But we don't want that outcome. We want this outcome. And we want to participate with God for this kind of outcome so that the deposit that was handed to us from the Asangs and the Johnsongs, right, can be guarded well so that we can carry it to the next generation, the next children who are going to grow up, you know, and we're going to hand it over to them. But it does come at a cost. And I don't know what cost it will be in detail for all of us. I sometimes joke with my kids that, hey, if I go to prison, uh, uh, then I'm going to have to talk to you through a, through a glass door and all these things, through, through a glass you know, a, a, a divider and all that. You know? I, I, I see these little jokes, mostly as jokes, but, but you know, sometimes in my heart of hearts, I also ask myself, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen to all of us and what kind of suffering he was going to call us into, right? If at all. Well, Frank Davidson died young, he died in, the, in, in a Japanese war camp during the war. He had, a, he had a liver problem, if I'm not mistaken, and he couldn't get treated. And while he was having that problem, he was smuggling like hundreds of eggs into the camp. You know, he was smuggling eggs into the camp um, in order for, to feed the people there. And you know, they had bamboos, and he would hide the eggs inside the bamboo. Okay, and then the, 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 the Japanese couldn't find it because they would put it, they would hang the bamboo up and hang clothes on it so that nobody ever knew, right, um, that there were, that under, inside the bamboo were eggs. And as he was feeding the people, he was dying. And he died just a few months before uh, uh, the camp was liberated. Frank Davidson died. And he was wrapped up in a penan uh, 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 mat and he was buried that way. John Stafford the bottom left guy that I showed you just now, John Stafford, just before the war, as it was breaking out, he said, I have to go somewhere else. And he went somewhere else. You know, eventually he was found, he was caught, and he was shot. John Stafford died. Ray Cunningham, the guy who wrote this book, right? The, the older man at the top right-hand corner that I show you. You know what, Kiran, just show us the picture. Yeah, yeah, just all the way to the top. Ray Cunningham uh, um, almost died almost died on one occasion he had a typhoid fever thing and he was he was in such a bad shape um and he was he was stuck in this place called long Bedok. Um, and and he was trying to signal to Lawas because if he can get a word out to Lawas, somebody uh, 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 might be able to send a missionary aeroplane to come and take him but firstly he was dying in the house one person gave him a raw egg he ate a raw egg and because of the raw egg, he survived just that little bit more. He managed to crawl, don't find his way to a, don't know how far, in order to get to a place with a transistor radio that he could send a message out. And with the little energy uh, uh, Ray Cunningham had, he, 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 he called out, Long Badok to Lawas, Long Badok to Lawas, Lawas, do you copy? Eventually, Lawas came in. And he called out to them, Typhoid! Typhoid! And you know what? Their plane 
was being serviced. So the plane was down. But they prayed, everybody prayed. And guess what? Shell, the petrol company Shell, came and dropped off, flew into Lawas and dropped off all the plane equipment, okay, that is going to be that they had ordered in order to, re, to, to, to make replacements for their missionary plane. Overnight, they fixed the plane, flew the plane to Long Bedok, and then flew Ray Cunningham out and got him treated. And he was on the brink of death. Brink of death. But thanks be to God, he survived. And you see in the picture on the top right, the church in Sarawak, so blessed by Ray Cunningham. This is his book, Long Houses, Open Doors. God's glory in Borneo. He got the chance to live to a ripe old age and minister to many, many, many more people. It does come at a cost. Some die, some don't. Some survive by the whisker, by the skin of their teeth. God is sovereign across everything. So church, right now, I remember at the end of 2 Timothy, Paul writes, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all. That is all of us. So I below church. So I below church. Paul is talking about all of us. Not just to me, but he says to all who have loved his appearing. Do we love his appearing? Do we love his appearing in Malaysia? Sempena Hari Malaysia. Do you love his appearing in Sungai Buloh? Because I can't wait. I can tell you I can't wait. And I want to get on the ground and I want to do things already. I can't wait. This whole lockdown has been too long. I love his appearing. But I know it comes at a cost. And maybe the day will come when someone will come up, come before you, may not even be me, and say, my friends, it's, it's, it's live or die. I'm gonna, I, I will live for Jesus. I will die for Jesus. And maybe the day will come when we'll face at a crossroads. Today, maybe the day is for us to prepare to face that kind of crossroad and to start saying to live is Christ, to die is gain. And to start saying that, you know what, for my life, in, in the, what can I die to? What small thing can I die to? Die to an hour, minister to someone. Can start there. Die to, die to a bit more TV, minister to someone, call someone, love someone. Die to a few extra ringgit, bless someone. It's there small ways, are there small ways we can start dying to ourselves because God will not ask for our lives overnight. He will ask for, uh, of, the, of our lives after a journey and a lifetime of dying bit by bit by bit by bit. And it will be a journey of a million deaths, a million good God-glorifying deaths before He calls us, if at all, ever. To die like this. If not, he will call us home one day in peace, die all in bed with our disciples all around us. That's a good way to die too. But you know what, my friends? Either way, he's called us to give up one thing bit by bit every day. And I can't wait. I don't want to wait. It's not a day for waiting. It's a day for starting to act. There are people in need. Continue to serve them. If your cell is doing CIA, see how you can continue one more month. If there's no money from church, See how you can continue as your cell. Do it. Continue. As a cell, do it. 
love them. Can you pray for them? Yes. Are there people in Kawan Esabiku that you've been connected to? Yes. Have you dropped them a text? Do it. Today, do it. Sacrifice a bit. Do it. Are there people on your street, your neighbours, who are not part of this church thing, but they don't know Jesus, outside of your corridor, in your, in, in your, in your condo, and you see them, you pass by them, you say hello, hello, but you never share with them the love of Jesus. You know what? You can't until you share with them a meal. Share a meal with them. Find out what their risk profile is, whether they, they dare to come into your house. And come in, bring them in. Share a meal with them. Scat COVID within limits. Okay, past certain limits. Don't be too scared. But you will know yourself. I'm not prescribing limits for you. Church, there are other things to be scared of as well. Some things to be more scared of as well. Let's just pray. If you want prayer, church, because you feel that, wow, every time Pastor Ferg talks about all these missionary things and all these things, I feel like I want to do more, but I don't know how. And if you want someone to pray along with you, I want you to type pray into the Zoom chat. And someone will pray with you. You just have to click join and someone will pray with you. If there is an area of your life where, where you want to say, enough, I've just been a consumer for so long, I want to be a contributor now. I want to do something for the kingdom now. Lord, I want you to open doors and open my eyes and help me to see what is the new opportunities now. Now that COVID is ending and I can start to see people uh, uh, in need and the rubble. I, like I open the doors after two years of war and I see the rubble in front of me. Lord, help me to see opportunities. I want to do something now. Open my eyes, give me chance to serve. I want to do something now. If that is you, type pray. Someone will pray with you. Amen. Amen. Now let me close. Let me close and then, and then we'll worship. Father, I just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you for every single one of us. And as we worship in a moment, Father God, I just pray that you will send your spirit to be upon us, to inspire us, to live a life that is great, a life that is bigger than our own lives to join with something that is bigger than what we are doing every day. And if our lives go along with it, they were going to go anyway at some point. So thank you for the privilege, for the privilege, Lord, of partnering with you. Some of our work may be low-level danger, some will be higher-level danger. But the Lord is a good God. He's a good God. I just sense that I want to give an altar call right now. For a moment, I, this was totally not planned. So team, just bear with me. I won't take long. If there is any one of you, I just sense the Lord saying that the Lord has previously put in your heart a tugging, a stirring in your heart for full-time work. And when I say full-time work, I don't just mean um, I don't just mean uh, full-time ministry in SIBKL, Mother Church or whatever. Like I, I don't just mean full-time in church. But any kind, it could be, it could be. Or it may be, it may, the scope may be wider than that as well. If the Lord has put in you a heart for full-time work, maybe it is to be a missionary. If the Lord has given you a call, and this calling is tugging at your heart, he's saying, oh, I'm calling you to be a missionary. It could be a local mission, it could be an overseas mission, it might even mean starting with a short-term mission. Or maybe the Lord is asking you to join some kind of full-time work in some kind of, some kind of Christian organization, in some kind of capacity. Or the Lord is asking you, just start this journey and I'm going to reveal it to you bit by bit. You don't have to raise your hand in front of me. If, if, if it is, I just want you to raise it before God by turning your hands from like this to like this. And you can do this off screen. 
you can do this off screen. If the Lord is speaking to you and saying right now, tugging in your heart, saying, I've given you a call for some kind of full-time ministry work, I want you to turn your hands to face upwards because I want to deposit something inside you and I want you to guard this deposit. It's going to be a special deposit that I'm giving you. I want you to guard it. If your hands are turned up right now, I just want to pray for you. And then later you can get in touch with me personally and I can journey with you through that. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for whoever in our church right now, 75 devices, and don't know if anybody's got their hands turned up. But Father, if there is, if there are any whom you've call, who you are calling to serve you, Lord God, in some capacity full-time, or even start part-time, then full-time, I pray, Father God, that you will deposit right now in Jesus' name. You will lay in your hands something to God, a calling, a deeper, more clarified calling. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you will grow your ministry, you will grow your work, Lord God, in the field and on the land so that Malaysia will have a future that doesn't stop here. It's a future that goes on and on until you're coming. So Father, I thank you and bless you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His countenance towards you and grant to you shalom. And all of God's people shout aloud, Amen.